welcome to Real Personal Finance. I'm your host, Scott Frank, CFP, CFA charter holder, and founder of Stone Steps Financial. And I'm your host, James Canole, CFP, MBA, and owner of Root Financial Partners. The premise of our show is simple. Money can be confusing, but it doesn't have to be. Our goal is to answer real personal financial questions that we hear from our clients and our listeners. Each episode, we answer one personal financial question in a clear and understandable way. Because money is a tool. And when you understand the language of money, you can make better decisions to improve your financial life. Hi, James. Hi, Scott. Welcome back. Welcome back. We're doing a a double feature today. I guess not for the listener, but recording double features. Right. Which feels good. It does. It does. We're on a roll. Um, okay, so episode eight, we talked about um, ways that people could look to save for college. Yes. And today, I will feel we should do a deeper dive into 529 plans. Yeah, college funding. Uh, I think a lot of people, if you were to ask them to list just off the top of their head, their their most common goals is, am I on track for retirement? Am I on track to take kids to college? Am I on track for a home? And right. so... Uh, Let's talk about that. We already talked about options for how to save for college, like you said in episode number eight. But let's take a deeper dive today into 529 plans, into the ins and outs, so people can understand a little bit more how they work and how they can be used. Sounds great. So why don't we just start with the mechanics of what a 529 plan is? Mm -hmm. So there's going to be three parts to a 529 plan. You have the grantor. Mm -hmm. So I'll take a step back. Essentially, what you're doing with the 529 plan is you are putting money into an account that's dedicated to be used for a beneficiary's college funding one day. Yeah, for accredited education expenses. Yes, which is can be four-year universities. It can be even trade schools now, yep. anything that's considered accredited. Yep. And you get some tax benefits for doing so, which we'll talk about, but there's three parts to it. There's the grantor, mm-hmm. which like if, if you were going to open up a 529 plan for your for so a, like Lucas a, has one, for instance. Then and, let's and use that. Paxton. So why don't we just give them this example? When you and use... Just to backtrack for a second so people don't... Advisors don't call us out. Yes, you can also use these funds for K-12 through education now for $10,000 a year. There's lots of reasons you can use 529s. Right now we're talking about the mechanics. Yeah, get off our backs, advisors. Right. Um, okay, so uh, the grantor... So like for our 529 plans, um, I am the grantor. Mm-hmm. So I open the accounts. Um, Amanda is the sex successor grantor. Mm-hmm. So if anything happens to me, she automatically takes over the account. And the beneficiary, we have two accounts. Lucas has one and Daxton has one. Yes. And they're the beneficiaries. And so what that allows you to do is you have full control over the assets. You determine how they're invested. You you own the account, but it's for uh, the beneficiary yes. in this case. So. Why do you do that? You, you do that to save for college. If you were just to save and invest for college outside of a 529 plan, mm-hmm. you can invest your money. And as that money grows, that's great. But you owe taxes on any of that growth. Yeah. And we can and you can go back to listen to episode eight for how you can save for college because we talked about it. 529 accounts, Coverdell accounts, UTMAs are another way you can do it. And then we talked about potentially Roth IRAs as right. well being options. And they all have their pros and cons and taxable accounts. Right. And they all have their pros and cons. The, the, if we do want to save a good portion for college, um, one of the most efficient ways is 529s, which is why we're going to spend our time here. Yeah, and, and it gives you the tax benefit of as money grows in your 529 account, 529 plan account, you're not paying taxes on any of that growth. Right. So you go invest, you know, um, you know, Daxton is you know, about to turn two. So we've already been funding it since he was born. 
So, you know, he go, we go put $1,000 in for Daxton from the moment he's born and give it 18 years to grow. It can grow potentially a lot. Yep. And then we can use those funds directly for college and we don't pay any taxes so long as they're used for accredited education expenses. Right. So it's, it's a really good deal. Yes. Yes. Um, now, there's two sides to the taxes and we'll get to yep. how that works in a second. But should we go over who should own them first or should we jump right into that? Yeah, we can. Uh, so one of the things that we'll commonly hear from people is, well, who's the best grantor for 529 accounts? And you'll commonly hear two different types of people show up here. Mm-hmm. There's mom and dad, and then there's grandma and grandpa. And why would it matter who, who the grantor is or who owns the account? Yeah, so why it ends up... En- why it matters in the end is when you get near time for your little one, like when 10 years from now, when Lucas is about to go to college, we will start to get, he'll apply to college. Well, I'm just assuming right now that it's normal, like yep. like pre-COVID. Um, he'll go and get accepted to colleges. And then depending on how much income we have and the assets on our balance sheet and how funded our 529 accounts are, all these various factors um, he'll get different potential financial aid packages. Yes. And his financial aid will, one of the main drivers of that will be our income, our ba- the assets on our balance sheet, the assets on his balance sheet, the income that he receives. And who the best grantor is, is kind of a trick question. The answer is it depends. Um, I'm just going to give you the high level answer. We could maybe dive into it in a deeper dive another time on more so college planning. Um, but in the earlier years of paying for college, you more than likely want the 529 account to be in the parents uh, mm-hmm. as the grantor, and that's because it counts as their assets, which is already going to impact the financial planning, uh, mm-hmm. the financial aid that you're going to get offered. If you have grandparents saving as well, it's great to use those in the later years of college because of the way financial aid is, is doled out. Um, if you use grandparents' money too soon, it will count as your like Lucas's income, for instance, in right. a year, and it will dramatically change his financial aid package. Right. So who the grantor is does matter. You guys can dive into that a bit deeper, but big picture answer, earlier years parents, later years grandparents, or uh, someone other than parents. Yeah. And that just has to do with the FAFSA and the expected family contribution. And grandparents' 529 plans are not viewed the exact same as parents' 529 plans. Right. So uh, that's what that has to do with as you get closer. That's something that you'll be a lot more Uh, you'll have questions on a lot more. So I think that's a good summary. Just the fact that you can go start saving now, um, you know, you should always save for your retirement first. Uh, And then once you save for retirement, go save for for college. And then with college, we have no idea what it's going to cost in the future. Although right now, Harvard wants you to pay full freight to do an online learning course for the upcoming semester. Yeah. Awesome. We'll see see how that works out a couple years from now. Um, but all in, let's just assume we're all on the same page that like 529s, we want to use them. We're going to fund them. The next question is, which 529 should I use or which one should I choose? There's so many. Mm-hmm. Every single state has at least one and most states have more than one. Mm-hmm. How do I know which one I should use? The, the first thing is going to come down to does your state offer tax benefit or not? And there's different layers of this. Some states will give you an incentive to use a 529 plan anywhere. So they'll say, if you make a contribution to a 529 plan, you get a deduction on your state income taxes. Yeah. 
So like Arizona is an example of that. Arizona is the closest state to us that is an example of that. Mm-hmm. Other states will say you get an incentive or a tax deduction to use a 529 plan, but it must be our state's 529 plan. Right. So like New Mexico and Utah act that way for their residents. Correct. Okay. And in other states, they say you don't get any incentive at all. Like California, California, like us. So if you are in California and you contribute to a 529 plan, you're thinking, well, James, you just told us there's tax benefits. There are on the growth once that money is invested, but there's not any tax benefit to actually make the contribution. Good call to, to, to differentiate between the two, right? So anyone who participates in a 529 plan, if you put $1,000 in and it grows to 10000 and you go use it for accredited college expenses, there's no taxes owed. What we're talking about here, when you look at what you should choose, is does your state offer an incentive to put money into the plan in the first place? Right. Yeah. And then we actually are going to link to a map. I think it's it's by American Funds. Um, that's a state map that kind of shows does your state offer an incentive for in-state plan, for a plan anywhere, or none at all? Right. Because that answer will help drive perhaps where you should go choose. Mm-hmm. So if you're in California, for instance, and you don't get an incentive to use California's plan, well, then you probably want to go compare the cost and the user interface and the ease of use of California's plan to other state options. Because right. you can literally go anywhere and get the same benefits. Right, right. Yeah, and and one more thing to add on the, the state incentive, you might just because your state offers you incentive to use their state's 529 plan doesn't automatically mean that you should look to see it's, it's only a tax incentive for state income taxes. Right. And if your state has a pretty low tax bracket to start with or income tax to start with, or you're in a low tax bracket to start, yeah. don't let that weigh too heavily in your decision on where to go. You might want to focus more on like what Scott's talking about of what's the cost of the plan, where the investment options of the plan, how easy is it to set up and manage this plan? Those can sometimes become the more important factors. Fully agree with you, James. And I actually was just looking at this the other day for a, a client. I think Michigan has an incentive. They'll give you, you know, I think it's a four, I think they're four and a quarter for state income tax for up to $10,000, $5,000 per, per child, I think. Don't hold me on that because I don't have it in front of me. But for this particular client, I was like, okay, so if we maxed it out to the max you're allowed to do, you would save $425 on your tax return. Yeah. If you put like $10,000 in, which I think was like the cap for the family. Yeah. So it's like, that's not really going to necessarily move the needle. Yeah, so cool, but that shouldn't be the driving factor maybe if that plan, and I don't know anything about that plan, but if it wasn't any good, for example. Right. But what you're getting at is then if you do get that benefit, don't just assume, I get that benefit, so I'm definitely going to use that plan. Right. Go look at, well, if they're charging 1% on their fees and there's another plan that's, you know, charging 0.05% on fees for investments, well... Right. It could still make sense to not use that plan. So just Yeah, not to get too detailed as well, but also if, if grandparents want to contribute to a plan and they're in a state where they don't get tax deduction, but your parents do, uh, do you make a gift? And they So there's there's different ways to look at this, but we won't get too off track. So weeds, sorry for that. Weeds. What, what, um, what, where, what should people look at? We talked about costs. We talked about investment options. Um, what's next? Is it just how do I invest there once it's in? Yeah, so I'm just going to go big picture and say that, like, in the state of California, we do not get um, – uh, we don't get a benefit by using our, our plan. Um, so looking around the southwest, two plans that um, have low costs but pretty good options like Vanguard funds and dimensional funds and the like, we're, um, so it might be worth looking into. Uh, but you have to make your own choices because this is not advice. Would be like my 529, which is Utah's plan, mm-hmm. and then Nevada has um, a plan through Vanguard. 
um, that are reasonable costs with good investment options. And there's also there's websites. We'll link to one in show notes. Um, I forget the name of the URL, but it's something like college saving planning or something like that. That basically looks at all of the plans that are available out there. And I think it rates them by graduate caps. Mm. Um, and you kind of want the four and a half graduate caps or higher four kind, and of, half. kind of situation. <laughs> so we'll, we'll link to that too. So you guys have that. But now you guys, maybe you go and open one. You know who the grantor is. You know who the beneficiary is. How do you invest those funds? Yeah, so there's different options. And they're the maybe the most turnkey one is in people who have retirement plans or 401ks are probably familiar with like target date retirement funds. There's something similar for 529 plans where they're age-based funds where the plan says, okay, choose your child's age. Are they zero to four? Are they five to eight? Are they nine to 12 or whatever the age bands are? And they'll automatically invest the younger age bands more aggressively and gradually become more conservative as those age bands approach 18, the right. time at which most people go to college. Yeah, so the age-based, what it's going to do is it's going to look at the beneficiary, their mm-hmm. date of birth, and it's just going to go put them in the category until they reach age 18. Right. And then the cool thing, if you guys do understand those, remember, because we talked about target date funds in the past, um, you the kind of the set it and forget it. You don't have to worry about it. It's going to reallocate itself and rebalance itself. So it's kind of handling itself for you, especially when these accounts are smaller. That can be really nice because then it's one less thing you have to worry about. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Especially if it's smaller. Um, the age base might be great. It might match the allocation you actually, actually want. Some people find they get too conservative too fast. Some people find they don't like the way they're managed. So if you want to be right. more intentional with it, then there's other options. You could do what's called a static portfolio. And this depends, of course, on what 529 plan you select. Some offer this, some don't. But some say, if you just want a static, aggressive portfolio, choose this option. We'll manage aggressively for you. If you want a static, moderate portfolio or conservative portfolio, put it in that option. And it won't automatically get more conservative the closer that you get to college. It's just managed aggressively or moderately or conservatively, depending on what you look for. Or then finally, you can choose a fully flexible option. Uh, they'll say, here's specific mutual funds. Pick and choose which ones you want for your child, and you can make the adjustments along the way. Yeah, so it's, it's kind of similar to your 401k choices at work, right? There's right. that kind of qualified target date fund, and you could choose here the, the age-based type funds, or you could choose maybe that static allocation where you don't have to worry about mixing them, but you don't want it to be age-based or change over time, or you can just go pick your own, um, and, it, and it's up to you. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so now that we know how they're going to invest, why don't we talk about funding these accounts? So how, how does someone fund an, a 529 account? Yeah, so, I mean, you fund it the same way you would fund any other investment account, pretty standard, just in terms of link a bank account, and then it's very flexible, whether you put the money in all up front or monthly, uh, but you can gift up to the exclusion. And so each year there's... What does an, that mean? You can give a gift... So you could give me a gift of up to $15,000 this year. Are you asking for a gift of $15,000? I won't say no, but I will tell you that if you give more than 15000 to me, there's some tax forms you'll need to file. Right. So you can gift up to 15000 per year, and a gift to a 529 plan is considered a gift. Yep. Now, if it's you and your spouse gifting to your child, you could technically do up to $30,000. Right. Um, and then 529 plans, they have a unique rule where you can actually gift up to the next five years. So if I want to gift money to... Uh, my child Mm -hmm. i can actually put up to five times the annual exclusion amount right so seventy five thousand into my child's 529 plan which is a unique rule for college funds yeah you can go front load college savings so you could do the the annual exclusion this year's 15 grand so you could actually do up to 75 grand 
and you and Ashlyn could actually do up to 150 grand right. if you really wanted to. If, if we really wanted to. I don't think we're going to want to. No. But if we really wanted to, <laughs> no. we could. Um, and so, and, and, and obviously most people aren't actually funding this entire amount, but think of that as kind of the cap on what you can do. Right. But then friends and family can gift if, you, you know, if kids for their birthday party, family gives them a 529 plan contribution or yeah. for holidays or whatever it is. Um, it's, it, you fund it just the same way you would fund any other account. I'm a huge fan of that. And um, so uh, the 529 provider that we utilize they actually have on their website um, for parents, you can create a gift URL. So, you know, if you want to, if you're sending out the birthday invitation, not well, like now we have to do Zoom birthdays, I guess. But, you know, in the, in the olden days when people would come over to your house and have cake, uh, you wouldn't want them to bring over the 18th, like, play school toy to fill up our room. Yep. So we would just, you know, you could send the link of in lieu of gifts, please feel free to donate to lucas's college fund yeah you know and they can just do it directly yeah which is awesome yeah gets the parents off the hook for having to do anything it's great uh, we're very <laughs> help, we're very thankful when they help us fund college awesome yeah so Big expense it is it, it it can be a lot especially when you look at how fast college is increasing in cost we'll, we'll see but who sees what happens here. we'll see what happens yeah you know one thing that we we talked about one type of 529 the most common type of 529 that we see which is where you are funding it and you're investing mm-hmm. for it. There is another type of 529 account that you that um, some many states offer as well, where what you'll do instead of funding where investments will go up or down in value, you'll choose to essentially buy credits of today's tuition. So right. prepaid tuition is, one, is a way to think of it. Yes. And the way that works is you're not investing in a mutual fund or in the market. You're essentially paying as if your kid was purchasing units today. Right. And I say kid, I'm assuming the beneficiary is your child. Yeah. It could be your grandchild. It could be anyone. Right. Um, I mean, to, my thoughts are that's typically not the best thing unless the cost of education skyrockets so and the stock market 15 doesn't. 15 years ago, it was probably, we actually, I've never ran the numbers on like how would a 529 invested have turned out versus buying the prepaids, but the, the, the escalation of cost for college was so great that I get why that was formed and why people are doing it. Um, There's so much uncertainty as to what the cost of college will be in the future. Right. Um, I I don't, I don't know that I would want to go that route personally. Yeah. It is a valid, it's an option that's out there. If you want to have certainty that like your prepaid tuition costs are there. Yeah. um, You can go that route. Like if the units you needed for, for a year of school were cost $10,000 today. Right. Well, you could, essentially pay that $10,000 today and then whatever those units cost by the time your beneficiary, let's assume it's your child in this case, right. needs to go to college. Uh, well, if it still costs $10,000, I mean, there hasn't been any inflation in the cost. Mm-hmm. You, It's essentially like you stuck your money in the bank and didn't grow for you. Yeah. If the, if the investments you would have used grew by 7% over that time, you lagged, you could have gotten 7% better over that time is, is kind of a way to look at it. Yep. So not, I don't know, it's actually something that I don't, look at or recommend a whole lot no never really recommended it but it exists so take a look thing is that you might think about is like well i don't want to overfund college and i fully agree with that you don't want to overfund college but you can also swap out beneficiaries on on 529 accounts as well so you don't and a kid your child can use it for undergrad and grad school and other things in the future so it doesn't have to just be for the four-year degree it is a lot there's there's the concern that it's so restrictive like oh it has to be for college well yes but college is fairly broad 
and you can change beneficiaries at any time. And then even if, let's say your child gets a scholarship, well, whatever the amount of that scholarship is, you can take that exact amount out of your 529 plan and not pay any penalties like you ordinarily would have. So I guess to, to circle back, if your child doesn't end up using their 529 plan for college and you take all the money out, well, the amounts that you put in, that comes back to you tax-free because it's your own contributions. Yeah, it's your own basis. Already. And then the earnings on that is what you pay taxes on and you pay a 10% penalty. But you got to let it grow tax-free. So uh, essentially. So it comes <laughs> out is, as a wash. Which is pretty helpful. And then there's a penalty. Yeah. So yeah. if you get a scholarship, that's that's covered. If there's a death or disability, there's provisions for that. So it's not as restrictive, I think, as sometimes people think it is. Yeah. Um, the main question is what's college going to look like in the future. And none of us know, but what we do know is that Ivy's are asking you to pay full freight to go online right now. Yeah. We'll see where it goes from here. Um, anything else for today? No. I think that's uh, that's a deep dive, any deeper, and uh, I think we'd be going too deep. Yeah. Well, I, I just want to say, um, as we end, thank you to all of you for listening. And you know, feel free, please, send us your questions because we want to help you guys. Um, and we're going to keep going the way we go, but we love getting your input on things you guys are working on. Yes. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Real Personal Finance Podcast. For our list of the show notes and the resources, please visit our website at realpersonalfinance.co. That's realpersonalfinance.co. If you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe and let us know by leaving a five-star review. And if you have a question that you would like for us to answer, then head over to the Real Personal Finance website. Again, that's realpersonalfinance.co. And there's a section on the bottom of each page where you can submit your question that Scott and I will answer in a future episode. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and should not be relied upon for a basis for investment decision. This podcast is not engaged in rendering legal, financial, or other professional services.